This episode of Tech News Day is sponsored by Factor. It seems that every year of the current COVID era that we're living in has featured some sort of supply chain crisis poised to ruin everyone's Christmas. The, the war on Christmas again? Again. It, it, it is technically December now. We, we've made it. And yeah, this year is no different than the previous few years. The circumstances of the current potential supply chain catastrophe, though, are different. Mm. Unlike previous supply chain disruptions that stemmed from overseas manufacturing shortages or logistical snafus, some of which were very funny, like yes. the Suez Canal getting blocked up by a big old ship that turned itself sideways. Mm -hmm. This time, it's a labor issue right here in the United States of America, a country that loves labor. Yes, and takes very good care of its workers across the board. Now, you might not think of the United States as a nation of trains, and why would you? given how atrociously inadequate our passenger rail network is. But while the U.S. is decades behind the rest of the world when it comes to transporting human beings by rail, freight trains are crucial to getting goods where they need to go. It's a big country. There's a lot in the middle. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, we, we got things going, you know, 150, 200 years ago, and then kind of just stopped. And in some cases, pulled up the rail lines and yeah. said, no, I think we should have more cars. Over 100,000 workers in a dozen different unions keep the trains running and the goods and people moving. And those unions are threatening to go on strike in the biggest shopping month of the year if their demands are not met. Those greedy, greedy workers. It's almost like uh, you time these things uh, on purpose to show people that your job does have an effect on society. Oh, this labor action is so inconvenient. Can you what? do it less inconvenient? Why do people always uh, protest during the most inconvenient times? The times that would get most noticed by me and others. You know, this is a free tip, but if you if you want to go on strike and make it really effective, you should figure out how to do it without inconveniencing anyone. Yes, if no one knows that anything has changed, that is truly the way. That would be the way to get your to get your way. But uh, to show how catastrophic such a strike would be, here's a compilation of news broadcasts posted to Twitter by Steve Morris of The Recount. A rail strike is one of the most disruptive and expensive things that can happen to an economy. A rail shutdown or strike would disrupt supply chains. A strike means food prices could skyrocket. Many experts are saying would be an economic catastrophe. That could mean a big shortage and massive price hikes. Even gas prices could increase. And it also could cost the economy a billion dollars within the first week. That would cripple the economy. I'm not setting aside the concerns of your members, but are you and your members willing to stop the rail? in effect, uh, and, and accept those costs to the U.S. economy. Do you believe a strike is worth it if it cripples the U.S. economy and costs up to $2 billion a day? More than $2 billion per day. Is it worth it? And on top of all of that, the holidays are right around the corner. So a little less than a month right before Christmas here. Especially right before the holidays. President Biden warning, if that happened... It would devastate the economy if we had a strike like that. So joining me now to talk about this and a lot more is Bank of America. It's Brian Moynihan, chairman and CEO, one of the biggest banks in the world. Wow, sounds bad. Sounds really, really, really bad. Yeah. Why would these greedy rail workers do such a mean thing at Christmas of all times? These Grinches. I know. These railroad Grinches. Uh, well, there's pretty good reasons for it. You didn't hear him in those clips, but yeah, they no, have reasons. <laughs> uh, here's New York Magazine. Since last winter, railroad unions and the managers of America's seven dominant freight rail carriers have been struggling to come to an agreement on a new contract. The key points of contention in those talks have been scheduling in general and the provision of paid leave in particular. Unlike nearly 80% of U.S. laborers, railroad employees are not currently guaranteed a single paid sick day. Rather, 
If such workers wish to recuperate from an illness or make time to see a doctor about a nagging complaint, they need to use vacation time, which must be requested days in advance. In other words, if a worker wants to take time off to recover from the flu, they need to notify their employer of this days before actually catching the virus. Given that workers' contracts do not include paid psychic benefits, this is a tall order. Uh, yeah. This, oh, my God. This is so frustrating. And I, I believe that we talked about this somewhat recently because this came up during COVID. Uh, the rail workers just being like, yeah, this I is, cannot take time off. This has been brewing. This current The situation we're in has been brewing for over a year. Yes. And also just like the cognitive effects that the flu or COVID could have on someone while they're uh, at the peak of suffering from it, you you don't want people like that working on heavy machinery you don't or want a driving train it or with like yeah brain fog. Yes, um, this is for everyone's safety and uh, the potential billions in cost that a, a train derailing would cause. But I don't know who am I. I live near the train tracks, and every night at around midnight, whoever's whoever's driving that train through there is just cranking it. Yeah, I got a train near me. They too. they must have that long COVID because it, otherwise it just seems like they're being dicks. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Same thing with helicopters, too, in L.A. It's just like it makes me feel comfortable knowing someone else is awake out there doing something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's a weird that. feeling. It's like that sonder. Yeah. Like you look and, and see things and you're like, everyone's out there living their own lives. Yeah. Huh. Anyways, this dispute has been going on for almost a year. And while the companies these rail workers uh, work for have offered pay raises and cheaper health care plans, they're not budging on the paid sick leave issue. And neither are several of the unions. Hence the possibility for a strike. And while those news clips we showed you earlier demonstrate how bad a rail strike would be for the economy, they also demonstrate something else. These rail workers <laughs> are absolutely essential to keeping the U.S. economy afloat. And they are using that leverage to get what they want. It's how it works. Yeah, uh, you're you're proving their point. You need them. You yes. absolutely need them. It's, it's just the like the entire weight of the world will collapse without them holding it up. So maybe... I don't know. Give them what they're fucking in, asking in for. In the UK, it would be like, well, okay, but how are people going to get to work? Like, I don't know. Well, I guess you could <laughs> fucking figure that out. That's a great fucking question. This happens every time there's a major strike. They're like, oh, jeez, well, what am I going to do? It's like, uh, shut up, libertarian. Pull your fucking bootstraps. Yeah. Uh, anyways, that's what strikes are all about. Uh, using um, your necessity to show people yeah. that you are you know, maybe could take a sick day. I'm essential and I'm going to show you how essential um, you say not having these people would be a disaster. Well, it sounds like you should do whatever you can to keep them working, which in this case would mean letting them take the day off to go to the doctor when they get sick. <laughs> uh, the, the fact that it took this long for them to threaten to strike over this issue in the middle of a fucking pandemic uh, is kind of, it's actually kind of a miracle. Yeah. You should be grateful that it took them this long into a pandemic to really start to put their foot down on uh, needing to take sick days off in the middle of a pandemic look, when people are getting sick. And I, look, I don't even know, but I have to assume that the logistics behind a uh, train yard operation and all of that is just monumental. But having said that, giving people a quality of life that is bare minimum should be something to strive towards. Yeah. Not just strive towards, should be something that I exists already. It's generally, um, yeah, it's, it's, you want your workers to be healthy, happy, sane, well-rested, um, especially if the work they're doing, um, you know, uh, people's extremely lives dangerous, depend on it. Extremely dangerous, detrimental to the entire yeah. country's economy, uh, literally every aspect. So, yeah, the reason that the rail companies don't want to give their workers paid sick leave apparently stems from the fact that there just aren't enough rail workers to cover all the shifts that they would need to cover if rail workers could actually go to the doctor 
when they needed to. And that is the rail company's own damn fault. In order to ensure maximum profits for years, they've used this one simple trick. Uh, employ as few people as possible and don't let those employees have time off without weeks or months of advance notice. Mm -hmm. It works great if you don't factor in Work straight the health of your workers. Until it doesn't. Yeah, until uh, it doesn't. We actually witnessed this firsthand with the airlines st starting around May until like August where there was another rise. I, I think this one was like the Omicron where everyone was testing positive for it. And, uh, and um, stewards or flight attendants, sorry, uh, were having to call out and entire... Flights and regions were being canceled, yeah. and people were stranded. And they because they up... only ever employ just enough people to actually stay yes. on schedule. There's no, there's no elasticity to their staffing. They don't have people around to fill in. Everyone they've got is on the job at all times. And then you get the news, news stories where it's like, well, I don't know if if, uh, if anyone here can sacrifice their trip to uh, Nebraska. We're willing to give you twelve thousand dollars worth of credit. Yeah, it was a great time to uh, really cash in and yeah. if you weren't in a hurry. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, can the railroads afford to take on more workers to solve this? Of course they fucking can. They make crazy amounts of money, but that would mean lower profits. And you look, slightly lower profits. So we're in a country a no of infinite Can't growth and you literally cannot stop it. You're asking me to make slightly less money and that is the most un-American thing I've ever fucking heard. Get the hell out of here. You will Oof. work until I say you can stop working. Uh, here's more Perfect Union with a breakdown of the, the inverse relationship between rail profits and uh, how much they're spending on labor. In 2001, leading American freight carriers CSX, KC Southern, Norfolk Southern, and Union Pacific earned average operating margins of about 15%. That means that after accounting for all the costs associated with running a railroad, including money spent on compensation and benefits, for every $100 of revenue, investors were left with $15 of profit. 20 years later, that number has skyrocketed to over $41. During that same time period, the percentage of revenue spent on labor saw a sudden and drastic decline. In 2001, the four railroads spent about $8.7 billion on compensation and benefits to generate $25.6 billion. In 2021, the company spent 10% more on labor, but brought in nearly double the amount of revenue. So they're good for it, I think. I think that they could, um, in certain cases, get off the fucking wallet. Yeah, uh, in every situation except for paying workers, it's always like, all right, well, sounds like you need to move some money around. What's the big... It's, the answer is right there, but, you know... Anytime it's about actually compensating people, even like, you know, adjusting for inflation. It's like, oh, geez. Oh, God. Oh, what am I going to do? Where am I going to find the money? Oh, geez. Insane that like every year, especially like the past two years, like just American standard and isn't even guaranteed by any stretch of the imagination, but American standard of like a 3% raise automatically. Yeah. In the past two or three years. You have literally lost money by getting that raise. You are, you are taking a pay reduction because of inflation. So uh, we are not keeping up. No. And uh, we're very, very far behind. So, so yeah, what's, what's the current status of this, uh, this, this rail issue that's uh, poised to steal everyone's Christmas? Well, <laughs> it's all changing pretty quickly as the U.S. government tries to do whatever it can to prevent a strike. But as of Wednesday, several rail unions are still rejecting the rail company's offers because they don't address the sick leave. And that's what this is all about. But Congress, at the behest of Joe Biden, is trying to quickly pass legislation to uh, end the labor dispute with terms agreeable to both sides. Eh, so without sick leave, it, of course, would not be agreeable to both sides at all. 
But Congress is also trying to do something about that. We shall see. Here's CNBC. The House passed legislation Wednesday that would force a tentative rail labor agreement and thwart a national strike. The bill now goes to the Senate, where Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, Democrat of New York, has promised swift passage. The House voted 290 to 137, with 79 Republicans joining 211 Democrats to pass the legislation, which approves new contracts providing railroad workers with 24% pay increases over five years from 2020 through 2024, immediate payouts averaging $11,000 upon ratification, and an extra paid day off. Eight Democrats and 129 Republicans voted against the legislation. In a separate 221 to 207 vote, the House also approved a resolution to provide seven days of paid sick leave in the contract instead of one, which is rail workers' main disagreement with the current deal. As it stands, rail workers don't have guaranteed paid sick leave. Number one, America. So yeah, the unions, of course, are not stoked about the government stepping in to override their collective action. It's Christmas, guys. Uh, I'm sorry, but it's yeah. a real bad time. When, when it was foggy out, Santa went and he found that runt, that little piece of shit Rudolph, and he said, get in the front of the line. We got a job to do. Come on, Jack. I don't care what OSHA violations we are breaking right now. But and, and yet this is a pretty unusual thing. The government hasn't done anything like this since the 90s. Like it's in Congress's power to step in when something like interstate commerce and they they can step in and force unions to come to an agreement with employers but it's something they generally try not to do because it's uh it's some pretty serious overreach by the government that mm -hmm. they're only supposed to do in desperate times i guess the uh, christmas the possibility of christmas being canceled well yeah that's pretty desperate measure or desperate times so if they leave the sick part out of the deal if that doesn't make it through well that would be bad. That's but it, kind of the whole thing. But if it does, it would probably go a long way to ensuring that this dispute doesn't ruin Christmas. Unfortunately, because of the way our stupid government works, that's going to require 60 votes in the current 50-50 Senate. And while a few Republicans seem open to it, it's unclear if it'll pass the 60-vote threshold. Aren't they supposed <sighs> to be the party of the common man and, the, and, like... Well, it was so funny. Like, a few Republicans have... Like Marco Rubio, a couple of This is a perfect blue collar. Right. Like they, for a second there, I thought what Joe Biden was doing was potentially brilliant, doing like reverse psychology, being uh -huh. like, all right, so I'm Joe Biden. You all hate me. I'm going to do this deal that completely screws over the railroad workers. They're going to be so mad. And then the Republicans would be like, I oppose this. Mm -hmm. We should give the rail workers everything they want. But uh, I don't know if that's happening. Because instead they were like, Joe Biden, the most conservative Democrat president ever, has done the dirty work for us. Yeah. And made us look uh, temporarily sane. But yeah, uh, I mean, so it looks like the deal, the main deal, is probably going to pass regardless mm -hmm. because everyone wants Christmas uncanceled. But the Christmas uncanceled. But the, uh, yeah, the, the new from Kirk Cameron. The paid sick leave part, we shall fucking see. Um, I don't know. If, it, if that part doesn't pass, then this issue, the issue at the heart of this entire dispute, which has been ongoing for years, will remain unsolved and will definitely uh, become a major issue again as soon as it can. Yeah. You're going to have a potential Christmas strike every couple of years. Yeah, well, this is... Christmas uh... will forever be on the brink of destruction. Yeah. But hey, at least we'll all be getting our Christmas presents on time this year. And uh, and and thank God that the, all of the rail company shareholders, they will keep enjoying their sweet, sweet dividends that they get from the rail companies uh, employing as few people as possible and paying them as little as possible. Mm -hmm. So that's uh, that's the real Christmas miracle, isn't it? Is there an evil uh, ETF? 
evil ETF? I mean, there a lot of them probably <laughs> yeah. like without without even without trying saying to that. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I feel like a lot of ETFs could be classified as it's like gas, uh, evil. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, I, I want an ETF that's only like tobacco companies, arms manufacturers, I, oil companies. There was someone, I, I saw an article <laughs> recently that there's like an ETF for like uh, like water resources and stuff. That seems like some Mad Max shit. Yeah. So there you go. The stock market's real fun, guys. You're just betting on the end of the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, praying for war. You're like, yeah, these options, they're not going to print themselves. <sighs> uh, anyways, moving on to Twitter. We know. Yay! Uh, it, it continues to generate news around the clock thanks to the bold leadership of Elon Musk and the many caffeine-free Diet Cokes that he drinks to stay awake. That's his only stimulation, I swear. Yeah. He loves free speech, and he thinks that everyone should be able to say whatever they want on Twitter.com. But not Alex Jones, because what he did with his free speech personally offended Elon's sensibilities as a father. Elon said, My firstborn child died in my arms. I felt his last heartbeat. I have no mercy for anyone who would use the deaths of children for gain, politics, or fame. And it's honestly kind of weird seeing Elon demonstrate what appears to be genuine human emotion. But yeah, I mean, it makes sense that if you personally experienced the death of your child, you would have no patience for Alex Jones slandering a school full of murdered children as crisis actors. But this is still proof that Musk's free speech ideals don't really apply when something personally offends him. It's still the right stance, regardless. Um, Except here's something kind of fucking insane. Uh, So regarding Elon saying that his baby died in his arms and he felt his last heartbeat, here's that baby's mother, Elon's first wife, Justine Musk, on Twitter. Not that it matters to anyone except me because it is one of the most sacred and defining moments of my life, but I was the one who was holding him. So yeah, I mean, wow. Like this, this, yeah, it does feel like Elon uh, did some stolen valor uh, regarding the moment of his child's death. Uh, it, it sounds like, according to Justine Musk, he absolutely did do that. Um, in fact, you could even argue, to quote Elon Musk, that he used the death of his child for gain, politics, or fame. And that might be overstepping it, but he did just use the death of a child to justify a policy decision and apparently embellished it for greater effect, which is, which is wild. Like, this... <laughs> Uh, of all the things over the past couple of weeks, I'd, I'd like talking about this one the absolute least because at the bare minimum, regardless of who is holding the child, yeah, it doesn't both of fucking these matter, people... But why lie about that? It's such a fucking insane thing to lie about. Especially publicly on a site where everyone can respond, including and, your wife, who right. clearly did it. But look... The experience, I'm sure, was traumatic. Uh, it, yeah. I, I, look, it I, would, I just would, can't hate on him. It for would be an awful thing to happen to anyone, regardless of who happened to be holding the baby the moment yes. it died. It's just such a fucking weird thing this to is like, drop that detail when it's apparently not true. Like it, Maybe he just misremembers it, but that seems like something you wouldn't misremember. I, I, I got to give him a pass for this one. It, it, it's, it's a traumatic experience. It's like the less funny version of that guy from... Uh, who kept lying about being involved in 9-11, but he did it for like 20 years. Steve Ramazizi. Yeah, yeah, and then he had to admit it. But like, he wasn't even close to the building. But it ended up being his own personal 9-11 in some ways. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess so. So I guess you could say that he did suffer because of that day in history. <sighs> anyway, yeah, just super weird. Like, Yeah, just nuts that you would uh, willingly lie uh, or, or knowingly embellish. Um, the thing that sucks about it is that he used it to make an example of something. Uh, of why, uh, because of a specific scenario, he wasn't allowing certain speech. 
And it's like, okay, well, how many things do you have to experience personally yeah. before you realize that uh, being able to say and do anything you want to anyone is not exactly the safest Elon, thing. this is going to blow your mind, but lots of people have had all sorts of terrible things happen to them. Yeah. Uh, that also influence that, how they feel about um, free speech and yeah, some people what is might acceptable. Be, uh, tweeting at you angrily about your car company because they had family members who died in a fiery wreck or something. <laughs> that could also be a thing that happens. Like, it's just this guy has to step out of himself for a second. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah, so let, let's just move on from this topic. Um, but, but speaking of death. But so, speaking yeah. of death, uh, a lot of people who aren't Elon Musk have a personal connection to uh, the over one million deaths in this country caused by COVID-19. A lot of those people who died were people who uh, maybe did their own research and refused to get vaccinated or wear masks when they should have possibly because they saw posts on social media telling them that COVID's a hoax or that the vaccines are filled with aborted fetuses and don't actually work or or whatever. All, all the different types of misinformation we've seen over the last couple of years. It's exhausting. Twitter and other social media networks took the threat of COVID-19 misinformation seriously, at least on paper, because they understood that for a lot of people, social media is where they go to find out what's happening. And they the can world. also get brain poisoned very easily. They, you know, they didn't do a perfect job at stopping the spread of this mi misinformation. Uh, in a lot of cases, especially with Facebook, did a absolutely terrible job, but they all at least tried. In the case of YouTube, uh, would sometimes label uh, just regular standard information put out by the CDC as uh, like COVID misinformation and conspiracies. Yeah, but uh, I mean, Twitter, they at least like they would remove posts that were blatant COVID misinformation yeah. spreading. They banned a couple of people. But, you know, after all that trying, COVID or uh, Twitter is officially done trying They're Let yeah. it ride. Open the floodgates. Get that COVID misinformation back on my feed, baby. How many people are on that team? Ah, get away. Get, get rid of it. So when you visit Twitter's transparency page for COVID-19 misinformation, you're greeted with a pretty jarring pair of sentences. As the global community faces the COVID-19 pandemic together, Twitter is helping people find reliable information, connect with others, and follow what's happening in real time. Effective November 23rd, 2022, Twitter is no longer enforcing the COVID-19 misleading information policy. Oh, okay. Uh, so you might argue that maybe Twitter's COVID misinformation policies outlived their usefulness um, since COVID is over. It's over, uh, right? right? But you would be uh, doubly wrong. COVID is not over. There's over 30,000 Americans in the hospital with it right now and hundreds of people still dying of it every day. And based on the data on that exact Twitter transparency report, the data that Twitter itself provided, COVID misinformation on Twitter was continuing at a pretty steady pace right up until Elon Musk took over. It's not like it, it dropped off. They were banning a it's Pretty so, consistent number of posts and accounts. It's so funny because the, the the anger that people get over like what they see as like COVID overreach is also just standard great information and practices for general health. In a flu season, there's RSV going around, COVID. So like when this gets removed and then Marjorie Taylor Greene posts the fart uh, joke once again, where it's like, if a mask can't stop a fart, like that's the problem here. Yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, at this point, you have to kind of wonder who's even out there, who's still undecided about COVID. But, I mean, COVID is still around and people are still lying about it. This policy decision lines up perfectly with what we already know about Elon Musk, though, and what he thinks about COVID. Um, 
To recap, here's the Washington Post. Musk himself has spread COVID misinformation. In 2020, he claimed that coronavirus cases would be close to zero by April 2020. He also <laughs> told SpaceX workers in March 2020, as the world was just beginning to shut down during the pandemic, that they were more likely to die in a car crash than of COVID. That June, he reopened the Tesla plant in Fremont, California, against county health and safety orders, but promised employees they could stay home if they felt ill and would not be penalized. Employees with COVID who did stay home, however, were promptly fired. Musk also called virus-related restrictions fascist on a 2020 Tesla earnings call. During a podcast appearance in September 2020, Musk said he would not get vaccinated and downplayed the virus's death toll. Everybody dies, he says. But not me. Because I'm going to put my brain into a computer. Not me, you. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's hard to keep it all straight. But, yeah, there was that that long period during COVID where Elon Musk was just being a fucking jackass about it, like, regularly. We were telling you guys the writing has been on the wall about Elon Musk for uh, four or five years. Yeah. Yeah. But still, even if Elon himself doesn't particularly care about COVID misinformation, it does seem like something that maybe, I don't know, advertisers might care about. Yeah, even regardless of, like, what you think. Yeah, he, he's it's just bad business. He's policy. running a company that needs advertising. Yeah, this seems like one of many things that Twitter's advertisers have gotten used to knowing that is not going to appear uh, next to their ads on on feeds. And now it's back, baby. And they don't like that. Um, so that, that same Washington Post article, it quotes Yoel Roth, Twitter's former head of trust and safety, who resigned after two weeks of working under Elon, who said, you simply cannot do that if you are operating what you want to be a commercially viable consumer service. Yeah. And speaking of advertisers, we've already seen that half of Twitter's biggest advertisers have bailed since Elon took over. But uh, here's some more grim news about Twitter's advertiser situation uh, from Casey Newton's platformer newsletter. On Monday morning, a revenue analyst for Twitter in Europe shared some disheartening news. We are seeing a significant decline in bookings, the analyst posted in Slack before sharing the numbers. Twitter's ad revenue in Europe, the Middle East and Africa, EMEA, is down 15% year over year, he said. And weekly bookings are down 49%, according to screenshots shared with Platformer. It was a grim update to an already dire set of forecasts. On October 31st, in a Google sheet created to track advertisers who had paused their campaigns amidst Elon Musk's chaotic takeover of the company, analysts found that $15.7 million in EMEA revenue was already at risk. That included $12 million of anticipated losses in the United Kingdom, the company's largest market in the region. The losses come at a critical period for Twitter, which has been counting on the confluence of Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and the ongoing World Cup to drive increases in quarterly revenue. It's catastrophic, one former Twitter executive told us. And yes, this is this happening is the time of year when at the worst possible time for him. Yeah, this is the time of year when you're pretty much guaranteed to. This is when the ad money is flowing in. We, yeah. I mean, if you're a, a YouTuber, you see it even in like your YouTube ad revenue. Like, there's just way more ads running uh, during the month of December. But when you've alienated the entire advertising business. Uh, not so much. So yeah. I, I would imagine Twitter usually relies on this time of year to uh, get set themselves up for yeah, the next year. Yeah, yeah, get themselves in a good place going into the next year. And it doesn't sound like that's going to happen this time around. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of things that advertisers probably aren't stoked about, uh, over the weekend, multiple users re-uploaded the live stream footage of the 2019 Christchurch mosque mass shooting. And it took the government of New Zealand directly reaching out to Twitter to get those videos removed. <sighs> Seems like maybe the most obvious type of footage for an automated content ID system to be able to flag. And absolutely uh, in their system because it was taken down and added to it when it happened. Yeah, this is not something anyone should even have to manually flag. There should be 
it should. <laughs> how is this making it onto people's What's feeds it, like, and it, staying there for hours? This is insane too, because like this shit not being able to be content ID properly. Just think about like the images that are out there and not being content ID pro- properly, because audio and video is like the easiest. Yeah, it's easy. YouTube, bless their hearts, if has you, that shit down to a science. If you sneeze a note of a song on accident, yeah. you will get struck. So yeah, somehow that didn't happen. Um, and you know, because barely any actual human content moderators are left at Twitter to fill in where the content ID system uh, fails, uh, the clips just remained up until a world government somehow got a hold of someone at Twitter, probably after hours of trying a bunch of numbers and just getting a uh, wrong number signal. Uh, so that's not great. <sighs> I literally just feel bad for literally the people who unsuspectingly saw this footage. Yeah, it's terrible. There's absolutely no reason in the year 2022 that should be able to, you you should be able to upload that to Twitter and have it actually This isn't a troll thing. This is literally malicious. Think about the type of person in action that would do this to get a rise out of someone. Yeah. But back to that platform article, it it also discusses Musk's plan for uh, Twitter Blue, his very short-lived product offering, which allowed anyone with a credit card uh, and not even a real credit card. You can yeah. just uh, spoof it to buy a verified check mark for eight dollars, which immediately caused all sorts of impersonation shenanigans on Twitter before new signups were paused. It was supposed to be back by now, but Elon, who apparently just found out that Apple charges a thirty percent fee on all in-app purchases, is delaying the return of Twitter Blue until he can figure out a way around all. How that. hard could it be? Now the simple solution is to only sell Twitter Blue memberships via the web, but he'd uh, he'd have to be able to do that without actually telling people about it because that would technically (laughs) violate iOS's TOS. Yeah, you can't say, hey, you can't sign up on here, but uh, you go to this website. I thought that was like one of the things that they changed that you could do like in-app. Oh, they might have changed that, but I... There's a, I don't know. I think one of the things that they changed was you'd have to go to an external link and do it. There's a bunch of like, it makes it really complicated. I think there's something like that, but it seems like something that you would... um, you know, know about or yeah. uh, be able to, you know, indicate. Yeah, so we'll see how that goes. Also, uh, the, that's what I'm getting at is the convenience is what's going to sell this for it. Like anyone that just wants to go bloop, okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, I always try to make sure to sign up for services on the computer instead of on the phone, knowing that. But, uh, buddy, you gotta but g- most people don't. Apple ecosystem creates a fake email, fake everything, and just... Hide your card number. I don't need that. I'll just go to hbomax.com instead of my phone. All right. Easy. Anyways, in other Elon news, there is a Neuralink event happening as we're filming this. So um, I don't know. We're not sure what they're showing off. Based on previous Neuralink events, it's probably some very moderate progress at testing brain-computer interfaces on animals. Uh, plus a bunch of outlandish claims from Elon about what Neuralink will be capable of in five years. That'll be interesting because he's so bogged down with everything else. Like, will he have the energy or w- to do this, or will this feel like Donald Trump announcing his 2024? Yeah, I mean, Elon already the man does not have much stage presence. He is not a not and the most talented public speaker. You're going to be on able, a good day. So when you think about tweets, you're going to tweet them and uh, be able to uh, think a tweet. You can. Uh, I knew a guy one time. He had a button for Diet Coke in his office. I said, "What if? What if we didn't need the button?" Now, what if you could just think about Diet Coke? And, and then Diet Coke just pours down your throat yeah. from your brain, from the chip. What if you're trying to quit drinking Diet Coke? You could uh, trick your brain into thinking that you're, you're still drinking it, even though you're not. What if you could trick your brain into not caring about Grimes anymore? Yes. Let's say you've been uh, in a relationship with a 
very eccentric female musician. From who's, Canada. Who's just seems like the perfect woman. Seems like the woman of your dreams. And she leaves you for Chelsea Manning. How do you how do you get over that? Well, the, the Neuralink, that's where the Neuralink comes in. Yeah. Um, just erased. It's like the movie Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Mm-hmm. Anyway, if there's anything more noteworthy that actually happens at this event, yeah, I, we'll, we'll probably cover it on News Dump. We'll see. Hopefully, uh, what I hope they announce is that they're killing a lot fewer chimpanzees. Because they've been killing a lot of chimpanzees. Yeah. And um, so far, it just seems like they've been killing them for nothing. It seems a bit cruel. Uh, yeah. So... Yeah. Hopefully they're doing something about that. All right, we've got more news coming up. But first, this episode is sponsored by Factor. With the bustling holiday season just around the corner, uh, well, well, we're in it now, actually. It's the perfect time to plan ahead with Factor, a ready-to-eat meal delivery. They shop, they prep, they cook, and deliver to your door so you can enjoy chef-crafted, dietitian approved meals during the holidays, minus the hassle. Plus, with 34 meals per week, including Gourmet Plus, Keto, Calorie Smart, Vegan and Veggie, and 36-plus weekly add-ons, you'll have plenty of nutritious, flavorful options to choose from. My holidays are already jam-packed. So much decorating, shopping, and general joy. Luckily, Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals make it easy to fuel up fast when I'm on the go. And I save time with meals delivered ready to heat and eat in just two minutes. Factor now offers 34 meals per week and 36-plus add-on options like smoothies, juices, snacks, and more to keep me going no matter what I have going on. Factor's cheaper than dining out. Put that money that you save towards holiday fun and some you time. And thanks to Factor's commitment to ingredients with integrity, you can enjoy flavorful, chef-crafted meals guilt-free. Need a special occasion meal? Well, Gourmet Plus is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options done easy. When things get hectic during the holidays, Factor is flexible. Change your order up every week with plans from 4 to 18 meals per week, or pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Factor's no prep, no mess meals save me so much time on planning and cleanup so that I can fully enjoy the holidays without wasting hours in the kitchen. I literally, uh, I do this every December, even before they sponsored the show, since they've existed. Uh, I already have like factor ready to go for every week of December. Cause I know yeah. that it's just going to be a lot of work and I don't want to think about eating. So it's, uh, it's good. Um, so not only does factor offer fast, simple solutions when I'm too busy to cook, they also help me stay on top of my goals. It's real easy to let things go this season, mm-hmm. uh, with offerings like protein plus and keto, I can stay on track. And this is definitely going to come in handy during the holidays and factor has everything that I need for a week of flavorful, nutritious eats. In addition to ready-to-eat meals, they also have cold-pressed juices, smoothies, energy bites, extra protein, veggie sides, and more to keep me energized during frantic holiday times. Head to go.factor75.com newsday60 and use our code newsday60 to get 60% off your first box. That is newsday60 at go.factor75.com newsday60 to get 60% off your first box. Back to the news now, though, with some news about Mark Zuckerberg, or rather, someone who looks a lot like Mark Zuckerberg. The potential for deep fakes to be used to create very believable disinformation has been a serious concern for a while now, but thankfully, all the best examples that we've seen have mostly just been used for fun and not to deceive. And that is the case with a deep fake that we're about to show you, which also happens to be an incredibly well done deep fake brought to you by the guy who regularly shows up at congressional antitrust hearings dressed as the Monopoly Man. Have a look. Well, that was a close one. I really was quite worried there for a moment that Congress might move forward with meaningful antitrust legislation. But if there's one thing you can always depend on Congress doing, it's nothing. <laughs> nothing at all. One moment. Mind if I make myself a little more comfortable? Uh, that's better. Like I was saying, over the past five years, Congress has held over 30 hearings designed to hold big tech accountable. Sometimes you land a punch, 
Do you see a potential problem here with a complete lack of fact-checking on political advertisements? Well, Congresswoman, I think lying is bad for so you won't take them down. Character for themselves. So you won't take. You may flag that it's wrong, but you won't take it down. Most of the time, felt like playing patty cake. So how do you sustain a business model in which users don't pay for your service? Senator, we run ads. Either way, it looks like the most consequential action that Congress is poised to take, a bipartisan bill to prevent companies like mine from self-dealing, is about to fade away like so many efforts to rein in big tech in the past. And when the House changes hands in January, who seriously thinks the Republicans will do any better than Democrats? After all, big tech is the golden goose that keeps giving and giving and giving. We let them pretend to hate us out on the stump, but in Congress, they're some of our strongest defenders. If you want to do something about big tech, this bill is not the vehicle. I hope that we can vote this down. Uh, Mr. Speaker, I urge, as I said before, I urge a no vote. So I'd like to propose a toast to Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi and Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. Once again, you held up your side of the bargain by holding up new laws that would hold us accountable. Thank you for your service to me and all of my friends. The Zuck is fake, but the message is real. Congress only has a few weeks left to hold Big Tech accountable. Call on Senator Schumer to get Big Tech antitrust done during this Congress. So, um, yeah, obviously incredible work, but also, of course, terrifying. The vocal deepfake is maybe even more impressive than the video deepfake, though making an AI sound like Mark Zuckerberg is probably a little bit easier than most voices, considering how robotic he already sounds. Yeah. Um, but speaking of video trickery, Bohemia Interactive, the developer of the military sim game series Arma, they've had enough. <laughs> uh, for some reason, footage from their games routinely ends up in social media posts and even news broadcasts presented as real war footage. And after years of this happening, Bohemia Interactive has officially sent out a press release about it. <laughs> Please stop. Developers from the independent Czech game development studio Bohemia Interactive would like to address the recent circulation of videos which were originally taken from their game Arma 3 and falsely used as footage from real-life conflicts, mainly from the current war in Ukraine. These user-made videos have the potential to go viral and are massively shared by social media users, sometimes even by various mainstream media or official government institutions worldwide. The Arma 3 dev team would like to take this opportunity to point out how the general public can distinguish such in-game videos from real-world footage. You fucking idiots. Say what you want about in-game skins. Looking ridiculous makes the footage unusable by bad actors who want to... That's true, yeah. You can't... Uh, if you tried to do this with, like, Call of Duty Warzone, they're like, why is... Uh, why is the guy from the Saw movies doing this? <laughs> why is Jigsaw in there? Uh, Bohemia's PR manager is quoted in the press release. While it's flattering that Arma 3 simulates modern war conflicts in such a realistic way, we are certainly not pleased that, that it can be mistaken for real-life combat footage and used as war propaganda. It has happened in the past. Arma 3 videos allegedly depicted conflicts in Afghanistan, Syria, Palestine, and even between India and Pakistan. But nowadays, this content has gained traction in regard to the current conflict in Ukraine. We've been trying to fight against such content by flagging these videos to platform providers, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, in Instagram, etc., but it's very ineffective. With every video takedown, 10 more are uploaded each day. We found the best way to tackle this is to actively cooperate with leading media outlets and fact checkers, such as AFP, Reuters, and others, who have better reach and the capacity to fight the spreading of fake news footage effectively. And like, this is it, like, like, 
just the game capture looks realistic enough, but like then people put news, yeah. like chirons and stuff over it. Yeah. But it's also like every time this has happened, if you if you look at it with even a slightly critical eye, you're like, oh, that's a fucking video game. Yeah, but old people don't have good vision. I know. I know. And they're like, wow, they got cameras all over the place in war now. Um, so in their press release, they then provide a helpful bullet point checklist for media outlets to please consult before reporting on ARMA footage as if it were real, which can basically be summed up with, uh, if it looks like a video game, it's not real. Yeah. Uh, they point to low resolution, no people in the footage, weird looking explosions and particle effects, because these games do have kind of shitty explosions and particle effects. Uh, that was my graphics card. Uh, there's also even more obvious stuff to look out for, like uh, a heads-up display showing stuff like weapon selection and ammunition. Uh, but lastly, when in doubt, they say to check that the vehicle's uniforms and equipment in the footage is actually what the military's depicted use in real life. That's pretty basic shit. All of it's pretty basic shit, but this has been happening for years over and over again. And uh, now that Bohemia has officially addressed it, there's no excuse for presenting armor footage as if it's real war footage. You've uh, you've been called on your bullshit. Yeah, well, it's still going to happen. Yeah. Sorry. But moving on to some news that is long overdue. Now, for years, some Twitch streamers, particularly women, LGBTQ, and black Twitch streamers, have been dealing with what are called hate raids, where their chat is suddenly filled with dozens or hundreds of new chatters posting hate speech and harassment. It completely derails a stream, and dealing with it can be a very tedious process as you ban users one by one. And plenty of third-party extensions have been developed, which make it easier for streamers to deal with hate raids and then get their streams back on track. But unless that, that streamer already has all that stuff set up, there's not much they can do. And thankfully, Twitch itself has now finally implemented a native feature that addresses hate raids in a simple and convenient way for anyone using Twitch to stream. This is good news. Yeah, here's that actually good news. Yeah, here's Engadget. Twitch has steadily added to its streamer safety measures, but they can still be a pain to use if a hate raid or dedicated harasser makes life miserable. The service might now have a much simpler solution. It's introducing Shield Mode, a one-button toggle that activates several customizable safety measures at once. You and your moderators can limit chat to followers or subscribers, require verification, and implement stricter auto-mod levels, and immediately revert back to looser policies once the crisis is over. There are even a pair of shield mode-only defenses. You can automatically ban everyone who recently used a given phrase in chat, or disallow all first-time chatters. If a raid includes a wave of bigoted slurs from newcomers or bots, you might just silence all of them with a click. You'll have to file reports for each banned user at launch, but Twitch hopes to streamline the process in the future. So basically, if a streamer finds themselves being hate-rated, it can pretty much be solved at the push of a button Boop. with options for how drastically to limit chat. I mean, it's a great feature, but it's still weird that it took this long. Yeah. Um, but better late than never, I guess. And also, now that it's being deployed, they'll be able to fine-tune it yeah. and make it better. Um, look, new feature, good. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, uh, this is coming more than a year <laughs> after a ton of Twitch streamers did a virtual walkout over Twitch's lack of action on hate raids. But again, better late than never. Um, you know, they, they did do it. Yeah. This is good. It's this just like, I don't know. Seems like something they could have maybe I just find it, coded a little quicker. I don't know. I find it pretty conspicuous that uh, they waited to deploy this feature until uh, after Jeff Bezos resigned as CEO. Almost as if he was the one. That's how he gets his kicks. Yes. He, 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 gets, he gets off on not letting people pee, knowing that people's bodies are full of piss, mm -hmm. and also doing hate raids on Twitch. Yeah, because technically, 
technically every Twitch streamer is his employee. So him like mocking them is like, yeah, that's that's kind of what it's all people, about when you're when, the boss. When know? people are distressed, like they are in the midst of a, a hate raid, um, you know, your body naturally wants to wants to relieve itself of piss, yes. but you can't because you're on camera. It. That's, of, of course, his favorite thing. That's why mm. he invented uh, a spaceship with oh, no bathroom. baby, I bet they're all so full of piss. Mm-hmm. Oh, think also, about all the piss just sloshing around in there with nowhere to go. Yeah. Mm. I'm Jeff Bezos, and I love piss. I love piss. But not in a weird way. I just I don't like, I don't want to drink it. I don't want to see it. I just like knowing that you got to do it. You've got a bunch of it in you that you want out of you, but you can't get it out. It's stuck in there. Mm-hmm. It's stuck in there, just sloshing around. And what better career for that than someone who has to sit and perform on camera for hours on end? Yeah. I'm telling you, there's something to this. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, let's uh, let's close out the show with, uh, we're, we almost got to space yeah. with the Jeff Bezos thing, yeah. but now we're really going to go Let's go to there. outer space now. Yeah, the, uh, uh, we're going to talk about Artemis, the NASA mission that finally launched earlier this month after being repeatedly delayed. <laughs> yeah. Delayed so many times. Comically. That I was... Uh, I kind of forgot When about it actually it. launched, I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that thing. So uh, Artemis is NASA's return to lunar exploration after several decades. And it involves testing out the Orion spacecraft, which is unmanned on this mission. But in the future, we'll transport astronauts to the moon. And on Tuesday, Orion reached the farthest outbound point in its journey, more than 430,000 kilometers from Earth. For perspective on how far away that is, NASA snapped... Some great pictures to demonstrate. There's the moon off in the distance, and behind it, there's the Earth, even farther away. Yeah, that's not uh, not a perspective you usually see. This is really cool. Again, you're not going to trick me. I like this program. Orion still needs to manage to make it all the way back to Earth in one piece to show that it is ready for people to actually ride in it. But if it all goes according to plan, next time Orion is that far away from Earth, there's going to be people there. They're going to be terrified. Oh my God, it's so far away. Yeah, that's uh, every hope and dream ever manifested is on that little floating dot. Yeah, behind the slightly bigger dot that has lo- like nothing. Literally in, in between my home. Yeah. It's, that's got to be a weird feeling. Um, but Jeff Bezos would just... <laughs> yeah. Anyways, um, yeah, Artemis 2 is scheduled for May of 2024, just a year and a half from now. And Artemis 3, which will involve the first manned lunar landing since Apollo 17, all the way back in 1972... That's scheduled for sometime in 2025. This is like closer than the Marvel calendar. It really is. Yeah. So hopefully Artemis got all the delays and all that stuff out of its system this time around. But, you know, those are always going to happen. It's going to be even more annoying with people sitting there ready to launch. Like, all right, go back, go home. Come back again later. Look, not to constantly bring up climate change, but uh, they positioned this launch center in Florida where extreme weather is getting worse and worse. I wonder if, uh, I mean, I'm sure logistically it'd be... A giant pain in the ass. But I wonder if there are contingency plans on what to do about Cape Canaveral. Well, we have Vandenberg uh, here in California, but it it has to be on a coast. Yeah. Because of recovering the boosters or whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you're going to be dealing with weather. Yeah. So it's going to be frustrating and a lot of people are going to be driving to Titusville multiple times to watch this launch. damn it. They better launch that thing this time. And the one time you don't go, that's when it goes up. Yeah. Anyways, that's our show. Uh, If you didn't see our previous episode, we talked about more Twitter stuff. 
The news never stops. It never does. And then in the, the, the previous Weekly Weird News, we, we talked all about uh, Trump and Kanye and Nick Fuentes and Milo Yiannopoulos. The real oh, and there's an update on that trust. that we'll get to. Yeah, right. we'll talk about that. Yeah, it's... What, uh, a, what a pathetic situation yeah, this like has Yeah, like the most in. awkward, like, 45 minutes. When, when Tim Pool looks like a rational, like, respectable uh, person next uh, Yeah, I think you, you took it a little you, too far, you but yes. fucked up. <laughs> yeah, uh, it... It was weird. Uh, we, of course, have more coming out for you soon, so stay tuned. Thank you for all the new subscribers. Thank you for the comments. Leave a like if you want, and uh, we're just happy you're here. Check out our other videos. They're up here now, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye.